present ourselves right now before your word. As we're about to open this, your word, I thank you that you are just as alive and involved in your word today as you were as when it was written. And so right now we honor your word, we esteem it highly, we open our ears to listen, we open our hearts to receive, and we thank you, Father, that it breathes life to us. And just as your word said, it's health to our flesh. We speak healing to bodies right now in the name of Jesus from the top of our heads down to the soles of our feet. I thank you, Lord, that even as we're speaking right now, that arthritis begins to let off in the name of Jesus. We thank you for those migraines that have been plaguing. I thank you, Father, that that tension just dissipates right now under the opening of your words because your words are health to our flesh. They are life to every part. And Holy Spirit, we know that you are right here among us. That you don't stop working when we stop worshiping. I thank you, Lord, as we open the word and worship you through the word. That Holy Spirit, you take hold with us right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Great to have you here with us this morning, and welcome to all you who are watching online. We're so glad that you tuned in with us this morning as well. Just go ahead, grab your Bible, and hook in with us just as much as everyone that's right here. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn it to the book of Philemon, chapter 1, which is the only chapter that's in that book. It's sandwiched between the book of Titus and the book of Hebrews. And we're going to jump right back into where we were last week. You know, as I was preparing this message... Throughout the week, I just kind of, you know, there's a saying, it's kind of like a shotgun message, you know, it scatters a little bit here and a little bit there, and as I was going through, I was like, God, why does it seem like we're hitting a bit here and a hitting bit there, and you know, whenever you come and you put a demand on the Holy Spirit, and you're like, God, I need to know this, or I, I, there's something that's going on, give me wisdom, he's going to direct us, and so even as we go through this morning, there's going to be things that we're going to say that we're not planned, we're going to probably talk about verses that we're not intending to go to, but when you put a demand on the Holy Spirit, He fills that need. You said ask. And the Bible says ask. That word is demand. And it's not like, God, I command you to give this to me. It's no. I place a demand. I open up my heart and I am an open vessel to receive your wisdom. So why don't we do that this morning? Father, we ask for wisdom right now in the name of Jesus. And we receive it liberally by faith. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, did you find your way to Philemon? In the book of Philemon, the thing that I like about this book, it's a very interesting book, and it's got a good purpose behind it, and that is that you can have difficult conversations around things that you don't necessarily want to face. And that's what Paul was doing. He was facilitating a difficult conversation between Philemon and Onesimus. Onesimus was his former slave who had run away. Philemon was the master who lived in the region of Colossae. And uh, in, the, in the progress of time, Paul came into contact with both of them independently. And Philemon gives his heart to Jesus and is transformed while Paul is preaching in that region. He becomes one of the pillars of the church. When we write to the, in the book of Colossians, he is one of the ones that Paul is writing to. He has been very beneficial to opening up doors for Paul in that region. Paul comes in contact with Philemon at a different stage when he is in prison in Rome. We don't know how that connection happened, but along the way, this runaway slave 
meets Paul and gives his heart to Jesus. And he begins to minister to Paul. As Paul is in his chains, he's probably the one, you know, changing his bed chain, his bed pod, you know, bringing him his food, helping him. Oh, you want to write another letter here? Here's the parchment. Let me go get the guy who's going to scribe this down for you. He begins to minister to Paul. And then through the progress of time, Paul realizes, wait, I know you through him. And you've been really good for me once, Miss. I'd love to keep you here but you ran away from something and you need to go back and address it. You know, running away from things in our lives doesn't make them go away. It just prolongs to having to face them. Through a season that should have been a short season, we often drag out for years and years because we don't allow ourselves to grow. Man, but when we, when we abide in God and His words abide or live in us, it says it bears much fruit. And so we should be seeking not to avoid things, but resolution and overcoming them and victory through the power of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is facilitating a very difficult conversation. And I want to go ahead and encourage you. You can have tough conversations. You can face things that right now you're like, no, I'm not going back and talking to them ever again. You can face that. God doesn't want division. He doesn't want animosity between us. He wants unity. He wants to bring us together in the power of the Spirit. And so that's what Paul is doing here in the book of Philemon. And I thought there was some very interesting things. We'll get to where we were last week in a moment, but we're going to take a little journey. You ready to walk it with me? The way that Paul addresses this situation is interesting because he says in the verse 8 of Philemon 1, he says, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. So after he finishes praying for Philemon, he says, what we're about to talk about, I could command you to do. And you have to understand Paul's position. He was the overseers of the church of uh, overseer of the church of the Gentiles in Ephesus and in Galatia and Thessaloniki. He was the one who had spiritual authority over them. We're talking about the believer's authority in this series, right? There's another aspect of authority that often gets overlooked, and we're not going to look deep in it, and that is submission and authority. And if you want to know how to sustain in a position of authority, you should also learn to be someone who submits to authority. You know, it's something interesting that when Jesus came in contact with the, the centurion, what did he say to him? He says, I also am a man under authority. He recognized that Jesus himself was under authority. And who was? He was under the authority of God. And so he recognized that all authority flows from some, someone. And when we talk about the believer's authority, we talked about it's delegated authority, delegated power. You have to recognize it's not your power. It's something God is giving to you to use. And so you have to first submit to his authority before you'll learn to exercise authority. And so in this situation, Paul says, yeah, Philemon, I could command you to. And he says something later on in, in the chapter that's interesting. In verse eight, uh, 19, he says, I, Paul, I'm writing with my own hand. I will repay. Whatever Onesimus uh, owes you, I will repay. If you're going to beat him, beat me. If you're going to whip him, whip me. If you're going to brand him, brand me. 
You know, he's putting Philemon in a difficult position here. But he says, but not to mention that you owe me even your own self. You wouldn't be where you are right now if it wasn't for me bringing the gospel to you. So I could command you to do that, but do you want to know something about authority? When, you come, when it comes to the works of the enemy, you command. But when it comes to those around you, if you find yourself in a position of authority, you don't need to command. What did Paul do? He said, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. I appeal to you. Love will always cause you to empower others. And so if your idea of authority is making others serve you and submit to you, Paul says, I was in a position that I could do it, but that's not the way it goes. We submit and we appeal in love. Why? Because God is love. He says there's three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. He says that he's poured his love into your heart by the Spirit. And it says that faith works by love. You know that's not talking about your love. I heard that preached for a lot of years. That one step out of love is a step out of faith. Yes, that's true, but he's not talking about you walking in love, though you should walk in love every day and with everyone. You need to learn to rest in God's love. It's for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. It's his love that he's poured into your heart. And so when we learn to rest in his love, faith begins to flow. You cannot not cooperate in faith when you stand in a position of love. Because you begin to understand the character and the nature of God. Yeah. And so that's just a little side journey into submission and authority. Submit yourself unto God. And it says he will exalt you in due season. And if you find yourself in a position of authority, don't be a jerk. Let's just be open. <laughs> don't be a jerk about it. Empower people. Lift them up. So... We left off in Paul's prayer last week. In a verse 4, he says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, having heard of your love and faith, which you have to the, towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And here's where we're going to camp for a bit. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So we said last week that when we read the word that the sharing of your faith, the idea that we think of is talk, telling people about Jesus, you know, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. And we said that is a good message and a needed message in this day, but it's not the message that Paul was telling Philemon. And we get that idea because of our English language. When if you go to AA, they're like, hey, does anybody want to share? What are they saying? Will you get up and will you speak? And so when we think of the word sharing, we're thinking about what I'm doing right now, Pastor Jordan, is sharing the message. But that's not the type of sharing that he's talking about. It's more akin to what we tell our children. Hey, can you share your lunch with someone who's in need? Will you share your toys? What are you saying? Will you both work together and be together, operating together and participating together? 
And so when we look at how this word is rendered in other English translations, the NASB, the New American Standards, calls it that the fellowship of your faith. And that's good. What is fellowship? Fellowship is being together, maybe sharing a meal, learning from one another, growing in your relationships and in your friendships. Fellowship is a good word. Uh, the NIV translates it as partnership. That's two people working together. You know, this is the partnership. We're going to go, we're going to work on this project, and we're going to get it done together. But my favorite one is the Darby translation, that your participation in faith. Participation is a great word. What does it mean? It means you're going to have to do something. <laughs> And it's funny that in, in, our, in our culture today, we give out so many participation awards for people who really didn't participate. Yes. They didn't contribute. We just said, oh, well, thank you for being here. No, we reward those who participate. And faith becomes active when you participate yes. with it. Yes. And so we're going to continue using the word participation when we translate this. So the participation of your faith, or we could say your participation with faith, may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Maybe you look at yourself this morning and say, well, there's nothing good in me. If God got in you, there's nothing but good in you. Come on. He got on the inside of you. Man, he unzipped you, pulled everything of you out. He got inside and squeezed that skin around him. There's more of him in you than you in you. And maybe it's our perspective and the way we view ourselves that needs to change. It's not that there's not anything good in you. Maybe you're looking in the wrong direction. You're looking at the wrong thing. And you can say, well, what does this have to do with the believer's authority, Pastor Jordan? Come on. What, what does this have to do? Well, unexercised authority is powerless authority. Just like faith is ineffective when you don't participate. Authority that you don't exercise is powerless Let's go back to an example we gave you eight weeks ago. It's an often the one that we use that, that, that is a good demonstration of what authority is. It's the power behind the badge. We all, we all can have some relation to understanding of the, the police force. And, you know, though the, the officer can hold out his hand and say, okay, to that car stop, the car stops. Can he physically stop that car? No, but it's the power behind the badge. And that's when we talk about authority. Well, think of it this way. If there's a mugging going on, say there was a little old lady, she's going down the street, she's got her purse over, and the mugger comes up, he snatches it, and he takes off running, and there's a police officer sitting in his vehicle, it's like, oh, there's a mugger, watches the whole thing happen, and he sees him run by, and he's like, hmm, that's not right, that's not right at all. Does the mugger get caught? No. What is required for authority to be exercised? Turn on the lights. Turn on the car. Drive it after. And you say, stop in the name of the law. And so he had authority but chose not to use it. And when it comes to authority, you've got authority but you've got to use it. Going back to the story of the centurion with Jesus, he says, I recognize you're a man under authority 
I also am. And I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to one, come, and he comes. And I say to another, do this, and he does it. How was authority released? It was released in the saying. He didn't think to himself, oh, I really wish that this guy would go and do this. And a lot of people have our relationship with God strictly in our thoughts, our understanding. We know a lot about God, but we don't use a lot of what he says. And so when it comes to authority, you got to use it. It wasn't given to you to sit in you. It was given in you to be used. Okay, so let's look at the second word in Philemon ver uh, verse 6 that is very important for us to understand. That the participation of your faith may become effective. We're talking about having effective faith. When you participate with faith, it becomes effective. That word that here is for effective is the word energist, is where we get our word energy. When you say a kid's got a, a lot of energy, it's because he's going, ah, ah. you know, he's moving, he's in action, he's got some, you know, some people you would think like, man, I think the Spirit of God left you a long time ago, and he's like, oh, praise God, it's so wonderful to be here. <laughs> Come on, when you participate with God, it energizes you from the inside out. It says if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll also quicken your mortal body. When you participate in faith, it becomes energized. It becomes exciting. It becomes active. Faith becomes active, not when you have it, but when you choose to use it and acknowledge what's already in you. And I really like how this word breaks down, that we that is uh, in the Greek is energist. It breaks down into two roots, and one is in and the other is ergon, which is business. When you participate with faith, you get in business with God. He becomes your partner. There's a partnership going on, and you participate, to participate together. So faith, you get in the business with it, which means there's going to be some contribution on both sides. This is not an uneven partnership where, where it's like, okay, God's going to do all the work and I'm just going to reap all the spoils. No, it's the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, which means you're going to have to step. And so when, it's, when we're talking about faith becoming active, it's getting in the business of faith. You get in the business with the things of faith by acknowledging. Acknowledging what? Acknowledging what? There's so much to acknowledge. You can acknowledge who and what is in you. It's the God of all creation is on the inside of you. He created everything. And it's still, that creation is still continuing to this day. There's nothing that exists that did not come out of him. That's who's on the inside of you. Go ahead and acknowledge just the vastness and the greatness of Almighty God on the inside of you. When you admire his creation and you're like, my goodness, the God who sculpted that is in me? How can I not succeed? How can I not win? And you begin to acknowledge what is on the inside of you. And when you understand who he is and what he's brought to the table, man, it'll cause you to stand up a little different. Oh, what am I going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to let God get involved in this situation. What else can you acknowledge? The completeness of his work. So many of us are waiting for God to do something when he already said it is finished. 
He said that you're complete. So I acknowledge that if it's complete, everything that I need is already present in this situation. What else can I acknowledge? It's the freeness of his gift. How shall he not freely give us all things if he already freely gave us Jesus? Why is that something good to acknowledge? Because it tells you it's not about what you have done or what you could do. And so we don't have to sit back and think, okay, how can I do this so that God will move? He's already saying, I'm already moving. What else can you acknowledge? How about the unchangingness of his character? That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't ever have to worry about when you wake up in the morning, if he's having a bad day, he doesn't have them. And he says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of changing or turning. Every day, he's good. It's not like sometimes you, you and your spouse wake up and it's like, ooh, I think I'm going to give her space until she gets her coffee. <laughs> now, I can say that with my wife in the, in the room because she doesn't drink coffee, and she always wakes up in an awesome mood, and it's just so great and so loving, and... Did I get enough brownie points there? <laughs> we acknowledge the unchangingness of his character. And we can also acknowledge the stability of his word. What he wrote, he meant. What he said he did, he did. It's true. Not one single word that he wrote was void of power. And it does what it was sent for to accomplish. And so there's lots of things. That's just the tip of the iceberg of what we could be acknowledging about what is on the inside of you already. So, this word that we translate effective in Philemon 1.6, or active, or getting in business with faith, or in business with God, is actually only used three times in the entire New Testament. The one time in Philemon 1.6 but what are the other two times? The other one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, where Paul says, A great and effective door has been opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And why did he say that? He's saying, pray for me. Pray for me. I've got an opportunity before me. And what do you do with opportunities? You seize them. What do you do with open doors? You walk through them. And so an effective or an active door is an open door, but it requires you to step on through. It's kind of like you go, you go to visit one of your friends and you knock on the door and uh, they open the door and they say, come on in. And you stand on the porch and you go, okay, God, take me in. Take me in, God. Take me in. No. You put one foot in front of the other and you seize the opportunity that's before you. And so Paul says, pray for me. There's a great and active door opened before me, and there are many adversaries. And with every opportunity that comes before you, there's going to be a thousand things to distract you. There's going to be so many things that are going to pull you to get you not to take the step that God has opened for you. Go ahead and take it anyways. So that's two times that your participation in faith would become effective by acknowledging 
The second one was a great and effective door was opened unto me. Well, what's the third? Well, in Hebrews 4.12, it's for the word of God is living and powerful. It is active. It is effective even today. When you take the word, you apply the word, it still does what it did back then today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the word of God is living. It is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is a separator. It separates all of the thoughts that are just of you and the thoughts that are of God. And when we take the word, it is active to bring a little space. You ever feel like the walls have closed in a little bit? And you're just kind of like, I know I need to do something, I just don't know what to do. Apply the word. Get into the word. Go over his promises. And what will happen is you'll find yourself in a little bit of space, a little bit of clarity okay, I know not to do that, and I know to do this now. It's a great separator. So, the participation of our faith, with faith becomes active by our acknowledgement in every good thing that is already in you, in Christ Jesus. So, when you engage with the Word of God, faith becomes When you engage with the Word of God, faith becomes active. When we say faith becomes active, the reason why it becomes active in the presence of the Word is because you already have faith. And over the last 15 years, I've heard it so many times out of so many mouths, oh, I just pray for me so that I could have some more faith. You don't need more faith. You've got faith. Use it. And when Jesus would say to his disciples, O ye of little faith, I remember hearing one theologian a lot of years ago, he's like, a more accurate translation is, how come you, having faith, use none? And so it's not that you don't have faith or you need faith, you've already got it, acknowledge the word, and it becomes alive. You know, what is Romans 10, 17? It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we have to understand that the word comes is not actually there. It just says faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is it saying? Faith comes alive. Faith becomes active. And you've got more than enough faith to conquer any situation that you will ever face because if you have become a believer in Christ Jesus, today you have already believed for the biggest thing you will ever believe for. You've already stepped from out of darkness and into light. You've already become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so you've already believed for the biggest thing. Everything else is small potatoes. Okay, when you engage with the word of God, faith becomes active. But something dropped into my heart on Wednesday when I was going over my notes. The Holy Spirit said this to me, and I think it will be of great benefit to you, so we're going to say it. Your faith is not activated by your excitement about a prospective outcome. And here's where a lot of people go wrong. They think that because I'm excited about what God's going to do for me, that means that I'm in faith. Well, that's not an indicator of faith. Excitement is good. When you engage with the Word of God, yes, you will get excited about it. 
Come on, Brother Hagin used to said that you know which word is working in your life by how excited you get when you think about it. When, you, when you're reading over it, you're like, yes, I love that. But excitement is not an indicator of faith. Because tomorrow you can go through an attack, and that excitement is gone, and you think, well, I'm going to give up. No, that's an opportunity just to stand. Just because the situation has changed around me doesn't mean that faith is gone. Doesn't mean that God is gone. And so we got to stop judging our levels of faith or our faith in activation by our excitement. Because your emotions do this. God does this. So you can be excited in faith, but it's not an indicator of your faith. It's also not an indicator of your neighbor's faith. And if you notice somebody who was excited about something, and today they seem a little down, you know what would be the best thing for you to do? Encourage and feed their faith. They could just be having a little rough morning. Encourage them. Lift them up. Be a blessing to others around you. So when you engage with the Word of God, faith becomes active. And you can say, okay, okay, I get it, Pastor Jordan. Read the book. That's a really good piece of wisdom, but that's actually not what I'm saying. You should read the book. You know, the, the Old Testament says, daily will I meditate upon his commandments. We look at daily into it. You should be in it daily. Reading the book is just kind of like second nature to a Christian. If you, if you haven't spent time in the Word lately, you should encourage yourself to set up a habit of doing it. Input in a little bit every time. But I'm not just saying read the book. Because there's so many people out there who don't believe in God who've read the book. So there's a difference between reading and reading. And so, Jesus said in John 15, we already quoted it this morning, if you abide in me and my words abide, Abide in you or live in you then you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you so it's not the position of having heard the word it's allowing the word to live in you and live through you you know Jesus said something interesting in Mark chapter 4 he says if anyone has ears to hear let him hear okay everybody do this you got ears? So this seems like a weird statement. Jesus says, if anyone has ears. We know that pretty much everyone on this earth, unless you're kind of in the petition, position like where Peter hacked off Melchus's ear, but then Jesus put it back on, you know. Or, or is it that Monet that had his ear cut off? I don't remember. One of the artists. We all got a set, right? They, they came standard in the package of birth, you know. So he says, if anyone has ears... Let him hear. So he's not necessarily talking about your ability to hear, but you're choosing to hear. You ever heard a truth that you weren't ready to hear yet? And you were like, nope. But then as the Holy Spirit worked on your heart, later down the road you heard the same thing, and you were like, yep. So it's not talking about if you have the ability to hear, it's do you have the willingness to hear. And he said... Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. 
when you choose to hear it and hear it with an open heart of reception, the more you use, the more you'll get. And so when it comes to the word, it's not about hearing the word, it's the word you use with the measure you use after you've heard. Which means that when information from the word comes your way, you have a choice of how you're going to work with it and how you're going to respond to it. And it says when you use it, you end up with more. But the next verse says, For whoever has, to him more will be given. But to whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. If you choose not to use what you've got, you end up losing it. But what you use becomes more and more established. So, he said, take heed what you hear. Every day, we get a choice to what voices we listen to. Voices in the government, voices in the news, voices in our families, voices in ourselves. There's so many different voices that we can focus on. But what voice is going to feed your faith? So we focus on what is beneficial to us and not what is going to bring us down. Come on, you all uh, have probably had a friend at one point, whenever you got around, why do I feel like garbage after I've talked to them? Because everything they said was, oh, it's just like, oh my goodness, would you shut up? I can't take it anymore. That's a voice you should limit your time with. And you should approach that relationship. How can I encourage this person? But I'm not going to take their advice. Come on. Or I'm gonna take, not going to take their attitudes and their complaints. I've told this story many, many times. It was probably about five, six years ago now. I was at, over here at the gas station. I was in line ready to pay for my gas because the pump wasn't working for the, you know, tap thing, slide, pump, your, put your information in. So I had to go in to pay, which I never have to do. And there was two people in front of me. Both were fairly old. And it was the most beautiful day of fall that you can imagine. You know those ones where the colors just look so great? The sun, like, shines just across and illuminates all the colors. It's a great day. It's a warm day, unusually warm for fall. And so I, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I, I come in, and the people in front of us, you know what they're talking about? Well, you know, winter's coming. It's going to be a cold one. And I'm like, best day of fall that you can imagine. It's just the perfect fall day. And you're choosing to focus on winter's coming and how cold it's going to be. And then the one lady turned to the other and she said, yeah, I just don't know if I'm going to survive this one. These old bones just aren't what they used to be. <laughs> what? Yeah, move to Florida. Find some sun. But you get to choose what you focus on. And the voices that you listen. And so when Mark wrote this, he said, take heed what you hear. But Luke wrote it a little bit different. You want to know how Luke wrote it? He says, therefore, take heed how you hear. Open your heart to the word of God. You know, when we sit down to read the word, it's not about the quantity that you can get through. And I've said this many times. It's more about the quality and the heart you have with it. I don't encourage you 
ever just to open your word and just start speeding through. Stop. What did Paul say? He said, there's a great and effective door open to me. There's many adversaries, so pray for me. Sometimes the best thing you can do before you read the word is pray for you. And say, God, this is your word. You know why you wrote it, and you know what you wrote. I ask for your wisdom right now. Your mind, as I open the word. Let revelation flow to me right now. Well, you could pray what Paul prayed, that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened, that I would know what is the hope of my calling. And then read with an attitude of an open heart and understanding. It's better for you to understand one verse. If you're going to understand a verse, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. That's a good verse to stop and understand. That when I was in my worst spot, God loved me and gave the best gift he could give. When I was separated from him, he bridged the gap. And to take time to understand what he actually said. I believe you all should read the Bible probably one, through its entirety in a year or two years, whatever it takes if you're a slow word. But I'd rather you take one word, one verse, and let it get on the inside of you. Because what he said, Paul said in Tim, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, he said, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. It's a personal letter. And he says, Consider what it says. Now, we have to understand that what he wrote has now become part of the word of God to us. Right? What he wrote is for us today. So if Paul said to Timothy, consider what I've just written to you, then we need to consider. But what does it mean to consider? It means to weigh and to evaluate and to think about the ramifications of what you just read. And that's how we should approach the word. Consider the implications of what it just said. If it said, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes the things which he said, it shall be done for him. You think, what are the implications of that for me? If he said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them, what are the implications of that for you. You see how this changes what and how we hear? It's not about just passing across information. It's about revealing what he's made available to you. Amen? And so we consider what the word says. And as we consider and acknowledge the word of God, faith comes Amen? And that's why the word says in Joshua chapter 1, in verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, 
that you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And in, in our culture today, being so consumer-minded, we're all about, yes, how can I get a little more prosperity? How can I be a little more successful? But we all don't want to do what it said. And he said, Josh, this is God's uh, wisdom to the guy who's going to lead his people. He says, meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. And you know what? When we think about the word meditate, we think about it as such a mental activity. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. You realize that that's not what the word here says when it says meditate? It's the Hebrew word means hagah, which means to speak, which means to imagine. It means to study, which means there's some work involved, right? When you studied in school, you had to read some things. You had to remember some things. You had to regurgitate some things down on a test. He said it means to mutter. It means to utter. And it means to roar. And so when God said to Joshua, meditate on my commandment, meditate on my law, he wasn't just saying think about it. He was saying interact with it, engage with it, speak it, imagine yourself in it, study the word. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Study to show yourself approved. Mutter it. When nobody else is around, just go ahead and speak the word on your mouth. Get a, get a verse a day and just be like, God, I'm going to talk this, this verse all day long. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Old, all things have become new. That's what it means to meditate. It's not just to think. It means to put it in your heart. Put it on your mouth. Put it in your thoughts. Think the word. Speak the word. Let it roll over and over and over. Because as you engage with the word of God, your faith becomes alive. And so that's why he said that the participation of your faith would become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. So why don't we go ahead and get up on our feet here as we begin to wrap up right now. Why don't we go ahead and speak the word over our lives? Why don't we just start from that word we were already talking about during the message. That thank you God that you love me. That you have poured your love into my heart. Come on, why don't we go ahead and do that right now? God, we thank you that you so love this world. And me as a member of this world, I thank you that you love me, that you gave yourself for me, that there was nothing that you wouldn't do for me, that you bridged that gap for me. God, I thank you that your love is poured into my heart. And just as you love, I've been now enabled to love as you do. That when I come into situations, I'm not going to be closed off. I'm not going to be hardened to everyone that's around me. I thank you that your love flows out of me right now, even in this moment, that my heart rises up to meet yours right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father. We give you glory in this place. We give you glory in this place, Lord. Yes. Oh, my daily days have been, oh, my days have been, oh, my days have been wrapped in you, Lord. Yes, my days have been Yes, my days have been, my days have been wrapped in you, my Lord. And James, as we spoke a few weeks ago, I know your heart has stepped out and it's begun to move in different directions and it's saying, God, God, show me where you're at in my life. Show me the different places that you're drawing me to. And he wants you to know, James, he sees those steps you've been taking. He sees those steps you've been taking and he wants you to know that he is well pleased that you've taken him up on his offer to come running a little further, a little deeper. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. 
My children, my word is in your heart. Let it forth, let it come through, and I will do for you everything that you desire to do, my Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Yes. Toph, why don't you sing something? somebody in here this morning, when they've been opening the word, they're just like, I just don't understand this, God. I just don't understand what you're saying here. I don't understand. And his word to you this morning is seek and you will find. When you look in, look in it with an open heart of God. I understand. I understand. I understand. Go ahead and say that with me. I understand kind of like the student working with the teacher. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, the teacher knows. Yeah, they can. And if they can get themselves to stop saying that, you know what happens? They begin to learn. And if it can be that way naturally, it's the same way with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just honor you for this time this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that's been opened. We thank you even if there was just one little nugget that we took from today. We walk away blessed. 
And so we just want to say thank you. We have a heart of gratitude in Jesus' name. And maybe you've been watching online or you're here in this place and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. That, that's the first place to start. You know, salvation is a gift. And if this is a gift, and I say, Jess, here, I want to give this to you, what do you got to do? You got to reach out and receive. And salvation is no different. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian no more than being in your garage makes you a car. You've got to receive that gift. And so if you would like to receive Jesus this morning, I say don't wait another moment, don't wait another hour. Let, let's pray right now. Why don't we all just pray together and say, Father, Father I, ask I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life right now. I thank you that you raised him from the dead. And right now I turn from all else. Jesus, I call you my Lord. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer this morning with us, I would love you to come up and see our Word Care team in a minute. They would love to get a gift to you, put some resources into your hands. And if you're here and you need prayer for anything else this morning, whether it be for healing, breakthrough, whether you've got a testimony, you just want to celebrate with somebody, our Word Care team is going to be right there, and they would love to pray or celebrate with you in Jesus' name. If you'd like to give this morning, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Um, we thank you for partnering together with us and for your faithfulness over the years and the faithfulness in the days to come. If you want to give online, you can do that, or there's an envelope in the seat in front of you and a basket at the back. We just say thank you for whatever you choose to do. But Tope, let's sing that one more time. Faithful you That's a good word for you to go with. We don't close here. We just can take it and we go. He is faithful in what he has promised. He said is already yes and so be it. So you guys are blessed. Let's have some coffee and great conversations. <laughs>